Arr, grog. Hey everyone, it's the Sideship Podcast with me, Peter Fickling, and Matthew Weir. Uh, Kerry is away, as we said last week and the week before. She's in Australia, so, uh, you know, watch out. It's not the dingo, it's Kerry, she's got your baby. <laughs> and by baby, I mean a big burly man, <laughs> or your pork pie. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be glad to hear um, when she gets back that she survived... Um... Australian barbecues and all the the dangers of the the animals that she might come across. To be honest, I wouldn't fan. I mean, you know, a king brown snake, a red back spider. I wouldn't fancy their chances against Kerry. No, exactly. Yeah, um, all of Australia's terrifying um, wildlife versus wallabies. It's still one nil to the UK. <laughs> What's Kerry been missing out on, Matthew? Um, I saw some rather unkind reviews on Twitter. Um, people were suggesting it's been a bit of a tawdry week, but I. I really liked George this week. Uh, I don't like George, but I, I really liked, you know, the character, what they've done with him this week. He made some very good points. And uh, I thought that Lizzie in mega Karen mode was sort of weirdly entertaining and also annoying. So it was a kind of, it was a kind of like a, a, a strange duality. I was both annoyed and entertained for most of the week. Yeah, I got very annoyed listening to the Lizzie scenes with Neil and Oliver. Uh, just well, firstly, let's just pick off that George thing. Um, George, he made good points in relation to what? Because I feel like he was just starting to stir shit up again between Will and Ed. I think he made a very good point that um, he's been given a tough time at school because he's got this incredibly unusual family where he's, you know. It's like some kind of weird cult. It's like the Branch Davidian compound with kind of like, you know, five dads, three mums, all the grandparents living together. You've got your odd granddad who's driving a limo around that doesn't work. And, you know, I mean, you can you can see how it would be it would be reputational, um, you know, uh, what's it called? Cyanide. Which one is David Koresh? Will or Ed? Uh, I think, I mean, between the two of them, they got it covered. I mean, neither of them's that inspiring. Maybe Emma is David Koresh. She's got the kind of, um, you know, the, the the raw charisma necessary. And she's the one that's sleeping with all of them. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I've, I've accidentally <laughs> hit the nail on the head, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what we need is, is Harrison to pull tanks up and then, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> surround the compound. Yeah, I mean... If his new faith will let him, um, I would quite like to see, um, you know, Harrison blazing his way through Ambridge behind, you know, with a a, um, a drone, uh, a drone impaired Russian tank. Um, <laughs> should we pop a, should we pop an ad in and then um, do this properly? Yes. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Did you see what I meant at all about George kind of like feeling feeling a little bit of sympathy for George for once? Like, you know, before he was this kind of one-dimensional, baddie, kind of ne'er-do-well character. And actually I did start to see how he might be a bit more confused and and sort of understandably battered by life. Yeah, the whole thing about the bully is often the bullied, yeah. you mean. Yeah, I don't have any issues with the fact that he was being teased at school about it. Of course he would, and like... Kids are horrific, right? I teach kids. If they spot a weakness or a chink in your arm, like fair play to you for having kids, Peter and Kerry, like couldn't do it myself. But if they spot a weakness in a peer that they feel like ripping the shit into, they will do it and they will run with it. And, you know, in the, in the age of who knows what George is going through, it might not just be face to face because you're dealing with that whole thing of online bullying as well, aren't you? Whereas, yeah. you know, you can't see how the other kid is reacting, so you just keep going, and it becomes a pylon. So maybe he's taking like he's taking flack on social media as well about the fact that he does have this quite unique situation. And you know, what was he said that they the kids asked, "Did your mum know who she was sleeping with?" Or she couldn't make her mind. Up. I like the bit where she said, "Are you a threesome?" And Will went, "Huh." He's <laughs> like, <laughs> "Think has it crossed his mind on those cold, lonely nights when he sat there?" you know stroking a ferret that's not a euphemism uh sorry my brain's turned to crap who what was who was the one who died of sepsis sepsis who was the one who died of sepsis nick nick yes sorry so um you know once nick turned up that's when will was able to kind of move on effectively wasn't it i mean you know Mm. but it, I did think it was a bit sort of disingenuous the way he was like you know oh well i'm past it it's like yeah you are now but uh, you know, but your son, your son grew up in the environment when it was anything but friendly. You know, he. How old would uh, George have been when they finally buried the hatchet? I mean, he would have been oh. ten or something, like seven, eight, ten. Well, certainly old enough to be very, very confused and upset by, you know, uh, um, Ed's triumph. Oh, sorry, Will triumphantly pinning his paternity test up on the wall, and Ed stomping mm. around and. Emma kind of, you know, and then, you know, what was the, and there was also that awful confusion when Will tried it on with Emma. I mean, anyway, I, I'm on, I'm on George's side specifically to this. Mm. And th- there was also that thing recently where he, when he spoke about Nick, where he said his, his first real memory of Nick was getting a clout around the ear from her. <laughs> so yeah. he is, he is obviously a little bit messed up. No, I, I get that. And maybe he's doing it unconsciously, although George does have form, but I feel like this is the beginnings of him stirring something up between the Mm. Grundy brothers, which has been laying dormant for some time. And God forbid, yeah, I mean, we've had Will with the shotgun, haven't we? But I mean, God forbid we end up with another, the pendulum swimming back, swimming, swinging back the other way, and Will ending up in Emma's bed. Oh no, it's just, I mean, okay, it's going to take a hell of a lot of writing and good acting to make that, to sell that to the audience. Yeah, if Emma just wants to get off the hook, she just wears that coat that her and Fallon have got and everyone will get well confused. (laughs) No one will know what the f*** is going on. 
when George finds out what Nick was actually capable of, he'll feel quite grateful he just got smacked around the uh, the face rather than being run over, <laughs> knocked down like a dog in the street. Yes, well, she can never... She took that with her, didn't she? Well, it was a deathbed confession, wasn't it? Was it Matt that she ran over? Yeah, she ran over Matt, yeah. You're, you're yeah, so I should boy. absolutely hate Nick. Exactly, yeah, Matt, my absolute yeah. favourite character of all time. Well, I mean, if you, you know, you use, you use the modal verb should there, Peter, if you want to spend the rest of your days hating a fictional character who is actually dead, then go for your life. Well, to repeat what we said last week, Matthew, that we are, this is the whole point of this podcast. When I was moaning yeah, about, no. um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it is what we do. Um, but seeing as, seeing as we're talking about hating fictional characters, uh, I um, do we go for Lizzie, do we go to the end of the week and um, Helen having a go at Tom, or do we go for Lizzie in mega Karen mode, lambasting her, her volunteer uh, helpers? It was extraordinary yeah. because we're doing that one. I think we're on the same page here. Uh, go for Lizzie. I'm all primed. Am I wrong? I thought it was absolutely disgraceful the way she talked to these two volunteers. Well, not just volunteers. The fact that they are adults who are giving their time up to work in this stately home. And she's there saying, you know, even patronising them at the end when it all turned out to be okay. But there was just this whole point where she was just like, well, you know, this is just not good enough. And why have you swapped this? And, you know, it's just you just... I mean, just sat there listening to it this morning. I was like, you know, just wind your neck in your landed gentry bellend. None of this yeah. was yours anyway. You married into it. All right. <laughs> the archers aren't the poorest family in the village, of course, because of the agricultural history. But she's real, you know, and Freddie, to be fair, he manages to deal with it in a slightly better way, doesn't he? Whereas Lizzie just comes in and, and, pretty much is lady of the manor and oliver mm. and well neil's too nice to say anything about it and i think oliver is quite happy to be there i like the way they traded with cliff because they felt like you know they didn't want to be in the scullery so they tried to play and then later they were envious that cliff's just rocking it in the scullery with nothing to do and they're having to show this group of um kids around who are all clearly delinquent that was the that was what was implied, wasn't it? They they came from a, a school which Ofsted had basically said, "Burn it to the ground." I didn't I didn't work that out. I think obviously, you're a lot quicker to imagine that given your you know traumatic day life. Well, they had that mix up about whether it was a retirement home or a school, didn't they? Because it was Aberton Court or Wood, and that was the mistake. Yeah. I mean, I was just I was just bored out of my mind through all of that. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Liz, but Lizzie said, "Oh, it used to be Cotcham School." And Cotcham in real hushed tones, like, oh my God, do you remember the report? Like they strung one of the teachers up and then she's like, yeah, that's who's coming. But it was they only 10 year olds, wasn't it? Yeah. And you know, the the, th- the thing is, is that this, I- this idea that somehow it's that much, you know, it's like, oh my God, but I, ha- I, ha- I prepared for pensioners. What on earth am I going to do? It's like, you're going to say the same thing, but just in a, you know, with slightly simpler vocabulary, you're going to subtly adjust your speech for the audience, you know, it's not that difficult to skill. Um, actually, that's quite a risky thing for me to say on a podcast, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it's like, well, you haven't done it yet after 105 episodes, Peter, you absolute twat. Yeah. Cassis tutissima vertis, Peter. I um, am guessing that is the uh, Pargita family motto in Latin. 
Um, I, I, um, I would have thought insufferus twatus maximus might be, um, you know, an, a good alternative. Strangely enough, and with a drip, drop of irony, his virtue is the safest helmet. I wonder if Nigel was wearing that when he launched himself off the roof. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it was what stress test, stress test the motto. The last yes. thought who is ridiculously uh, uh, inbred noggin was, oh no, you know, not virtuous enough. His brain <laughs> splashed all over the, um, you know, the courtyard floor. Oh yeah, I mean, it's just you know, just it was a tap in, wasn't it? Mm. I mean, I, I um, uh, I know I swim very much against the tide when it comes to kind of general archers fandom. And I've outed myself before as I was over the moon when Nigel, when Nigel went. I couldn't stand him. A lot of people felt that way about him, didn't they? I mean, okay. really? I, yeah, a lot of people felt he was a bit toffee-nosed and they were glad to see him go. I mean, I know people, and my auntie in particular, almost gave up on the archers after they killed him off. And then the actor did that pity tour of, uh, of you know, various radio stations and newspapers and stuff. Um, I felt a bit sorry for him, but I also thought, like you know, it's a it's a gig, it's it, mm. you know, it's a freelance gig. But you've the fact you've had it for a very long time. I guess it's not nice to be treated impolitely, but but also, also, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe it's just maybe it's just the nature of my work. I mean, your work as well, kind of like being a chef over the years. You do get treat, you get do get used to being treated quite brutally and seeing people being treated quite brutally. So maybe it may, maybe I'm a bit too hard nosed. But I was kind of like, well, you know, I think it feels like you've had a pretty good, good, you know, shout of it. But mm, yeah, I mean, not it wasn't just the pity tour. There was it. He made his own podcast, which he then got a cease and desist about, where he played the ghost of Nigel. Walking around the village. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, he really did go full beans, didn't he? Yeah, but he, and then he was big up that they were going to have a second season, and apparently he got told by the BBC, "No, you won't." It was <laughs> called the the, the Pargeter Triptych, wasn't it? It's really good, actually. I really enjoyed it. You know, him just walking around with some country sounds and stuff like that, and he's he's wandering the fields as Nigel's ghost with his dog, whose name I've forgotten. Could he not just have changed a few names and stuff and just sort of like been a little bit less on the nose? Well, it wouldn't have been as fun though, because at one point he kind of viewed David from afar and went, oh, there he is. Yeah, they still haven't sussed him out for my murder. (laughs) He really (laughs) went for it. I think it's still up on Spotify. It was certainly up on YouTube. Yeah, go and check it out. It's really good. It's good, is it? Okay. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I didn't dislike the actor. I, you know, like, you know, as we often say, you, the two things can be true, true at once. Like, you know, you can like the actor and also sort of think that uh, it was uh, not that controversial that, you know, they killed off a character. But anyway, I don't mm. know. Um, I mean, I hope he's all right now. Um, but uh, as you know, Love Jim, you were the, you know, the OG when it came to kind of like shouting to the rooftops about your loyalty and love of the man. But I just this. I think it's because he's attached to this absolutely ridiculous plot. So here's here's my position very very quickly. Justin has legally bought a plot of land and is doing something legal that also has uh, um, positive environmental vibes. Um, so what? That's it. Like I mean, if if they didn't if they didn't do the research before, then that's their problem. Oh, I absolutely said that last week. Justin hasn't done anything wrong. So what's this all leading to? Because. As an audience, how are we supposed to invest in it? I think there might be some 
issue with the fact that they haven't been entirely honest about what the land was for. They're going to go right. for a technicality, aren't they? They're going to yeah. take it to, I mean, Jim's probably going to pull strings at the parish council and yeah, it's going to be, it's going to all come down to the land registry and what people have said the land was going to be used for. And David seems to be quite on board with saying he was deceived because I don't think he's right. thrilled at all about there being a, a charging station. I, I mean, it might get a more, it might get more fun over the next couple of weeks if, like, they go triple agent, and mm. Jim starts feeding Justin wildly, wildly um, fantasized plans of how they're going to protest. What that would be, I don't know, but you know, like, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, lay bombs on the on the streets or something, or start putting down chicken wire to stop people entering the site. It's just one of these things that they have to... Do you think it gets built? I don't think it gets built, personally. Uh, unless David suddenly realises that he can buy um, uh, electric milking sheds and mm. um, tractors and uh, any other stuff and suddenly realises he's got a very easy resource on his doorstep. I mean, the, the, prob- the, pro- the problem they've got is is that uh, is the one that you guys have mentioned a couple of times that they they need traffic, don't they? And yeah, it, you know they need there needs to be there needs to be jobs. There need to be extra characters. It need it's it's too much infrastructure for such a small place. Mm. I mean, one of the most far fetched points of this whole storyline was when Lizzie, I presume she'd popped over to uh, Brookfield, and she said, "I'm sorry about all of this." For what? She went, well, if it hadn't been for me and Vince, who was nameless, you wouldn't have to sell the land. And Dave went, oh, no, I don't think about that anymore. And I was like, it's forefront in his mind. Of course he's bloody thinking about it. You know, the fact that they had to sell up a plot of land at Hollow Tree because of her boyfriend, who seems to be conspicuous by his absence at the moment. Who do you think is the most grudge-holding character in the Archers? I think David is, has got to be top three. He's forgiven Jim quite quickly, isn't he? Because last week, David was going full-on crazy about Jim sitting. And this week, he seems quite calm about it. And I mean, Jim dragged him to the pub quiz, didn't he? And another great piece of fiction where he said, I don't want you reaching into your pocket for drinks. I was like, this is David, fat f- yeah. chance. I mean, Jim went full Bill Cosby on David. Um, in the pub, like plying him with as much drink as he possibly could to try and, you know, soften him up. It was pretty, I mean, it was, I mean, I, I, uh, years ago, I had someone pour a shot of vodka in every pint I drank for the, through an evening. I had something like mm. eight or nine pints and it almost killed me. I mean, it was absolutely, anyway, but I, I was listening to that. I'm like, well, this is not particularly cool behavior. Like, you know, plying david with drink after drink after drink you know pressuring him anyway i'm not trying to be overly pious. that said when it was tracy's first shift at the bull uh david showed up and got seven seven or eight pints of shires for free because he kept on telling her she wasn't pouring it quite right does david have a problem is that what we're saying is that what the is this is that where it's going to end up going it's just a way of showing no. that david's got a bit of a drinking problem no i think it's more that he he can handle it i think although he, mm. he did get quite he got hammered one night, didn't he, when Kenton had to let him out, as I seem to recall. Oh, God, what was that story where he was, like, really, really hammered 
it was when they were they made their piece about who was going to do something at the Christmas show. Oh God, is it necessary to remember that? No, I think even you have to occasionally just let some of this stuff slide from your mind. Well, I have because <laughs> I can't remember what it was. No, but you're, you're desperate trying to reach around, trying in that you know, trying. I I don't know. I I can't. I'm always desperately trying to reach around, Peter. That's what I do over Friday <laughs> evening. I thought those just was vicious rumours Kerry was spreading, but it's good to have it confirmed. Right, you know, from the horse's mouth. <laughs> the only thing I remember from that scene, because it was Tracy's first shift, was um, Kenton said, I need to let Tracy out. And I thought that made her sound like a whippet. But um, mm. but I don't remember what the actual... It was something to do with the Christmas show and then making peace and it to do with their mum. God knows. Well, do you remember we were talking a couple of weeks ago about like what we thought different characters looked like? I So you said Tracy being a whippet. What, they referenced Tracy being quite thin with a kind of pert derriere when Jazza was ogling her in the shop years ago, or however long ago it was ago. And that was one of those moments where I was like, she looked in my head, she looked nothing like she was then described as physically. So like when they say Susan's quite kind of buxom and curvy, I'm like, yeah, that's what I imagined. But I thought, I thought I imagined um, Tracy was the same. I thought they were like peas in the pod, her and Susan. So when, when she suddenly became this kind of like, you know, uh, peloton instructor, pert bummed uh, sort of, you know, creature. I was quite sort of like, oh, okay, that doesn't really fit with my the whippet. The whippet comparison was not what I had in my mind. <laughs> well, I mean, once I see an actor, it doesn't take me long to just think, right, that's the character, as we said last week. But mm. I would have to admit, Tracy Horobin and Susie Riddell, who we've seen face to face because she's been on the podcast and we've seen her on the the zoom call before tracy when i hear her is still julia davis's character in nighty night for me i can't get right past yes it. yeah yeah I, I i i kind of i kind of have her as um um alana miles of black velvet fame that's oh really yeah yeah i think quite Whoa. kind of you know that's yeah. that's very different. I mean, it did take, as I said recently, it took me a long time for Chris to stop being Gareth Keenan from The Office, Mackenzie mm. Crook's character. And by the way, I looked up Willow Cottage today that Brian was so happy to be out of. Bloody lovely. All right, they divided up Willow Farm, and I presume the cottage was like the extension on the back. But I thought it looked fantastic. Brian seems to be living his best life. I, I mean, I've got to say, I mean, I... I don't ever want to be in Brian's position and I, I feel a bit, uh, and I've never, I've, you know, I'm very lucky. I've never had a kind of a, a very close bereavement, you know, immediate family, but I, you know, I think, um, I think Brian seems to be dealing with it. Uh, obviously he's allowed to completely go in the other direction, but uh, for the time being, he seems to be making a lot of positive steps, um, pronouncing paprika or paprika about five different ways is on his way to his cooking <laughs> course. I had to rewind that to hear what he'd asked for. <laughs> and then and then a gym immediately came in and said it a different way but yeah um i immediately looked up ahead of the podcast because that was today's episode wasn't it was um was paprika uh, uh, an aphrodisiac um <laughs> i think it is um you know All right cayenne and cayenne and peppers are both aphrodisiacs so why wouldn't paprika be but anyway yeah that's maybe what why uh jim offered him the smoked one so later he can be smoking well i mean it's I think uh, not to carry there. Yeah, I did put two and two together and get four when Brian was ordering paprika. Then he was 
cooking something at home and they'd said that he'd sounded like he was in a loud place, possibly a bar the night before. I went all caps and tweeted from the Cider Shed Twitter account for the first time in days because we've all been so busy or on the road. Mm. I just put, Brian's having cooking classes. And then within about two minutes, it was totally revealed that he was. So yeah, I quite like this idea. I like the idea in a couple of weeks time, he's going to suddenly realise just how easy cooking is. And actually, you know, <laughs> and totally reevaluate his life with Jenny. Oh my God, I could have just been doing this myself. All those <laughs> expensive kitchens, completely unnecessary. Well, to be fair, I mean, yeah, if it was just about the cost of the kitchens, because he certainly had fun uh, with other women. So it wouldn't be like he'd he'd stuck stuck with Jenny and remained faithful just for the sake of the for the sake of the scran. Both literally and metaphorically, he had his cake and ate it. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I quite like that. He, I mean, he, he totally obliterated a chicken Kiev in the mm. oven. I mean, you know, you got to be a slight madman to make chicken Kiev at home. Chicken Kiev is is one of those things that's actually quite difficult to do, where you get the little pocket sealed, isn't it? You know, talking mm. you know, as a professional chef, do you not think that's 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 like a cut above kind of home cooking, isn't it? Because you've got there's a bit of there's a bit of skill and some tricks to sort of make that work. Yeah, I mean, ideally, you've got a deep fryer to get it to kick it off. I mean, I tried to make chicken cordon bleu with a little pocket the other day in the air fryer, and it was kind of successful. But you know, it's just not the same. You need some. You need a bit of kind of unhealthy deep frying. I haven't said this on air, but um, thank you, thank you, thank you for forcing me past my um, prejudice. And getting me to get an air fryer, they are, uh, as all insufferable people, insufferable people say, the best things ever. Um, over the moon. <laughs> did I, did I send you the um, written composition from one of my students where they were asked to write about an invention that had changed their life, and they all wrote about you know the remote control homes, the mobile phone, GPS, and one girl just wrote about the air fryer, and I was like, you're getting, you're getting an A for this. <laughs> Yeah, it was up on. there with uh, it was up there with uh, general knowledge quiz supplied by the British Council today that I put out. I posted it, I think, on Twitter, where it was question seventeen. Margaret Thatcher, who was Britain's first woman prime minister, often was called A, the Stone Lady, B, the Iron Lady, or C, the Evil Lady. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, anyone that gave the evil lady, they mysteriously won the quiz. Look, I am no fan of Margaret Thatcher, but I would, uh, if I could wave a magic wand and have her in power ahead of what we got now, I'd do it in a second. I mean, that's how bad things have got. That I, I don't, I, I don't want Margaret Thatcher back, but she's a cut above Suella Braverman and Rishi Sunak and all that lot. And I, uh, you know, and I'm not trying to say anything nice about Margaret Thatcher. No, because there is nothing nice to say about Margaret Thatcher. Well, the only nice thing to say about her is she's dead. <laughs> I, um, I tell you what, there is one nice thing you can say about her. She was incredibly unpleasant to Carol Thatcher. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would, I, I actually think a twelve-pack of Thatcher's cider would run the country better than um, the yes, current cabinet. The current government, yeah, they're they're not, they're not the best, are they? Have I got news for you is back tonight. That should be fun. Ian Hislop did an interview with Jon Stewart that was quite entertaining, um, uh, which is quite, a, quite an interesting culture clash to sort of see Jon Stewart interacting with them. 
a lot of fun. I'm mm. hearing Kerry from across the world telling us to get back on topic. I can feel her listening to the podcast next week on the beach going, listen, you two f- muppets, enough stories about your life, enough random shite. Um, so do you, what do you want to do? Do you want to do um, Justin and his stupid car? Or do you want to do Tom and Natasha being sellouts? It's got to be Tom and Natasha. Oh, okay. You can go for it then. Tell me something. Is there any value in the expression, well, we should do something terrible because if we don't do it, someone else will? <laughs> no. I think that it's one of those situations where everyone's right and everyone's wrong. Like, Helen, Helen is right that they're selling out, but her reaction was grotesquely over the top and pious. So, so Helen-y that you couldn't even kind of contemplate what she was saying. And Tom and Natasha are wrong and right at the same time. Yes, they are selling out, but also ultimately if they don't take the money, then someone else will. And it's not like, it's like, well, I think I've referenced it on the pod before. I did some work for uh, the Bahraini Royal family. Um, via via a, a company they owned. But, you know, to be honest, it wasn't like I was supplying tanks or kind of like, you know, clip putting bulldog clips on um, insurgents' nipples or anything. It's like, you know, it was uh, uh, for, for torture reasons, not sexy reasons. Um, you know, it was just harmless PR work. But so it's like, you know, it's like, yes, do I regret doing the work? But All right, Natasha. Done it. Yeah, no, but I'm, I'm thinking it through. Uh, you know, uh, and they're, they're dicks, but I, you kind of like, we all, we all do, we all take a bit, you know, not, not very few people's jobs are morally pure, are they? Um, well, mine is. Uh, trying to think if that's 100% true. Uh, I guess it is. I guess it is. I guess your job is morally pure. But, um, but you, that might be karmic balance for um, some of the stories we've heard off air. Yeah, I mean, the fact that after class I sell drugs to them is extracurricular. That's nothing yeah, to do and with there it. Is, and as we've hinted at before, there is a reason you change continents every three or four years. <laughs> um, you know, just it's just but the that, weight of bodies buried to keep the planet balanced. You have to kind of like you know, switch hemispheres. Yeah, I mean, let's just let's nip this in the bud. What's going to happen here? So Helen's going to hold a grudge against Tom because she sussed it out, but... Natasha's coerced him into going for the money and they're going to, they're going to do a, it's a nap, disposable nappy ad, isn't it? But it's this agrochemical company called shaft, shafting bass. What are they called? Shaft. Um, someone did a quality joke on Twitter. Um, it was like they did, it was like the shaken vac. Ah, okay. Uh, I'll see if I can yeah. find it. I mean, I thought shafting bass is what Brian did when he dumped all those chemicals into the am. That's a <laughs> that's a pollution, water pollution, uh, fish joke there. So I'm trying to find it. I can't find. It. Oh, here we are. They need to do the Schaefer bass to put the bridge fresh back, bridge freshness back. So it's Schaefer bass, <laughs> I think is the name. Normally, these things happen. Do you remember when Madeline was on and she said that we should have sussed that it was Ben was the father because of what will create the most damage throw yeah. what she said the storyline said throw the rock in the middle and watch the in the river and watch the the circle the spread out the ripples yeah. yeah well what's going to happen here helen's probably going to not say anything to pat tony it's going to rumble on and then pat's going to be going into underwoods one day and there's going to be a times square-esque advertising hoarding with 
the twin, the toxic twins, as I think we can now call them because they work for an agrochemical company, staring down at her. And Pat's going to discover first, it won't be Tony. Pat will discover and she'll go on the war path. And that's going to cause all sorts of merry hell at Bridge Farm. And to be honest, if we have to hear Bridge Farm, because there was that moment on Sunday's episode where Natasha chastised them for talking work and said, I thought this was going to be a Bridge Farm free zone. I was like, yeah, we all did, but you're here on Sunday's episode, so we're going to have to hear it. I think if we have to hear them, let's hear them tearing each other apart. And I think that's what's going to happen. Pat's going to go mm-hmm. nuts. And Tony's going to be caught in all the middle of it, uh, as is Lee. I'm going to try and ask you to go on a kind of a, a, a diff, very difficult mental journey. You've got to try and put aside all prejudices and just imagine these are a bunch of people you've never met but met or sort of heard of before. If you had the scenario to sort of like describe to you in an adjective-free do you th- fashion, do you think Pat would have the right to be angry that Tom and Natasha had done this photo shoot? Probably not. But the fact that their name is on the brand and it's possible that this gets out somewhere or another mm. in the community that they've done yeah. this ad for this company, that's damaging to their brand, isn't it? And the fact is... They've got this open day coming up, haven't they, where they're going to have the viewing window. I mean, I'm loving it. The edible forest garden, it's all going to go to shit because they've done a deal with the devil. Fantastic. Bring it on. So I, I kind of I kind of agree with you. I think that um, I think that as a family, it's mad that Pat would get cross. But I do think that it's wrong that Tom and Natasha do it because you know, it's not just their reputation they're playing with. If it was just their farm, if it was just Natasha's business that was on the line, mm-hmm. I think it's, well, she's well within her rights to, you know, uh, play footloose and fancy free with the with the reputation. But it's not. Mm-hmm. It's also Helen. It's also Pat and Tony. Um, but it, but the, 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 the uh, yes, as, as always, the way the plot falls down is credibility. The idea that members of the public are going to give a flying f- about you know, whether Bridge Farm, the grandchildren of the owners have done an ad for a something. It's just it's just completely implausible. I don't think anyone would ever care. Um, I mean, you know, it's like the black farmer who, you know, the guys, the sausages, you'll see them in the shops over here. Have you seen him on, like, Newsnight and stuff? No. It's a guy called the black farmer. Um, he's a, 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 he is a black farmer. Oh, yes, I know. I know who you're talking yeah. about. I know who you're talking about. And uh, anyway, so he's uh, he's very pro-Brexit and he, okay, he's he been on like Question Time and stuff. And, and you know, I don't buy his produce because he's a massive Brexiteer and I, you know, I, I can buy other sausages, so I don't buy his stuff. Before I found out he was a massive Brexiteer, I did buy his sausages. So there's a, there is a, um, there is an example of me making a decision based on, you know, my own personal politics. But I don't think most people will give a, you know, give a monkeys about bridge farms, grandchildren's private business. So I think that's where it falls down. Mm, possibly. I mean, you also tore apart this whole photo storyline in the first place, didn't you? Do you think it's that likely that they would have got this lucrative an offer this quickly? My my original complaint was that uh, that's not how the, the, the business works, this idea you do these incredibly expensive photo shoots to try and, you know, have a portfolio because, as I said, the children are changing all the time, so you need current photos. So that was my original complaint. 
But I will say that a friend of mine who was a model who switched from being a catwalk model to a kind of a, um, I don't know, I can't remember the terms. I don't claim to be a, a, an expert on this stuff. But anyway, she landed the job as woman at bar with lads in Guinness advert. And the significant difference was that it was one of these syndicated ones that went worldwide. Mm. Like they like Natasha referenced. And that really did turn that family around because they were a little bit skint. And then she, she landed this gig and that put a serious amount of money in her pocket. Um, because it was on, you know, because as, as, as Natasha referenced, it was syndicated in all the territories around the world. So essentially if Gazprom dear listener knocked on Peter's door tomorrow and said, can we have Cyrus in an ad? Peter would Gazprom. be there. Gazprom. I I think I think I'd say no to Gazprom. Uh, well, let's say we if Nestle, I think I would say no to Gazprom. Um, I'd say no to the Bahraini. Just to be clear, I'd say no to the Bahraini royal family. Now, uh, <laughs> I just didn't know. I was just naive when I worked <laughs> for the company. You know, I, it was for Formula One. It was for Formula One in Bahrain, and I was naive when I when I when I worked for them. But anyway, yeah. Um, but no, I'd say no to a lot of people now. Um, I wouldn't want to, uh, you know, uh, um, but I don't know. Let's let's pick something. I'll tell you. Okay, here's an interesting one. I don't buy Clarence Cliff, whatever it's called. Cla- what's what's um, Prince Charles's uh, eggs? What's, what's Prince Charles's um, company called? Clarence House. Clarence House. So I don't buy any of his products because I'm a re- Republican and, um, and he annoys me. But if they what got What products touch, does he have? Eggs and biscuits and stuff. Oh, I wouldn't buy his eggs just because I'd be scared he lays them himself. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, you know, let's give him 10 out of 10 for his environmentalism, but there's a lot of other stuff that annoys him. Well, he's been going on about it tonight, isn't he? About the, the green. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, got a, he's got a country house not that far from where my dad lives. And apparently the, the church where my cousin got married in, there's a pew reserved for him. I don't know now that he's king. And if you go in the local shop, they sell all his marmalades and all this kind of stuff. But it's you know, mm. extortionate, mm. and who cares? He's, he's he's got a country quite near where I live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a whole one. Shocking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, two or three actually. But yeah, um, no, but 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 anyway. Uh, so yes, yeah, so there's there's that would be an interesting test of my politics. You know, um, a a a a booker, a spotter for Clarence House. They're like, that's the face that's going to sell our eggs. You know, your little boy, or even mine, my face, Peter, you know, can you be the, <laughs> can you be the, <laughs> the face of Clarence? <laughs> whatever it's called, eggs. And like, oh, I could do with the money, I really could. So, Charlie eggs. Peter, would you be the face of Charlie eggs? Wobbly, wobbly eggs. Um, Ch- Chaz's wobbly <laughs> eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well okay there you go it it took us 40 minutes but we found the level um seeing as we're talking about ads should we chuck one in go for it even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious italian leather bags and so much more Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So, Matthew, there's uh, uh, possibly the least interesting topic, <laughs> save till last, um, Justin and Lillian um, losing their shit over an electric car. Yes. How quiet it is, its lights, how refined it is. The dream. I imagine as they turned it off, it was like Kit from Knight Rider. Because you're like, oh, look at how it turns itself off. I imagine like that strobing red light at the front. Would you like me to make some unwise and immoral investments, Justin? <laughs> I watched with my students this week a video about um, a museum in America that actually has one of the original. What's the brand of car? Why am I forgetting what the brand of car is in Night Rider? Uh, it's a very well-known brand. Oh, that's annoying me. Pontiac Firebird. Pontiac, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and apparently that model, they got like the first five off the, off the assembly line. But yeah. I don't think you should have another gin, Lillian. <laughs> shut up you piece of shit just crashed <laughs> the guy who played kit didn't want to be credited because he was so ashamed he was like a proper actor and he didn't yeah. want to be he didn't want anyone to know that he was this is how he was earning earning his money when i was a kid i erroneously thought it was john lithgow <laughs> it clearly wasn't was it I do like actors like John Lithgow and Michael Caine who will sort of, you know, uh, have a full tilt at award season with one role and the next week it's like Jaws 5 or, you know, playing <laughs> Kit Car or whatever. I, I do like the actors who are just like nakedly after the money occasionally. Another one for that is um, Anthony Hopkins who will just take any old shit <laughs> to pay for his, you know, his oil painting, oil paints. Well, Malcolm McDowell read an interview with him a few years ago where he said sometimes people will come up to get a selfie with him and they're like, I loved you in blah, blah, blah. And he'd be like, I wasn't in that movie. And they'd be like, yes, you were. And then they bring it up on Wikipedia. And he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, he was in Caligula. That, I mean, that really is any old shit. Yeah. It is. Well, he said it was it was half good and then half shit because they spliced two halves of the movie together. Um, Tell me if I'm wrong. Was that paid for by like larry flint or something or some no 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 bob something it's like an italian an italian american name um but anyway yes some american pornographer funded it yeah yeah no there was a there, there was a pornographer that funded it um but um half of it was filmed properly with the proper actors like gilgood and helen mirren and malcolm mcdowell and then they filmed almost exactly the same length of movie again with people genuinely f***ing. Yeah. And then just spliced the two together and said, and 
Malcolm McDowell said like it just got completely lost in the in the orgy scenes. And he, he said there is a good movie in there somewhere, but they just totally obliterated it. I'm hearing Kerry's voice again, Matthew, all the way telling oh, yeah. us get back on track. Don't, yeah, don't you have a jingle just, for that? What? <laughs> what? You, what you think that somehow I'm just going to pluck a jingle that you created out of thin air? Well, you never know, mate. I don't know. Come on, Colbert. What do they say in Australia? Ripper. <laughs> I'm ashamed. How many times do you think Kerry is going to hear the phrase, uh, get your hands off my penis while she's in Australia? Um. <laughs> Have you read the Cider Shed WhatsApp tonight? No. She's gone out for a Chinese meal. <laughs> I'm not what, joking. Genuinely? No. Yeah. Okay. But, um, we uh, for those for anyone who's confused, you apps. I mean, we often say we'll put the link in the um, podcast description. You have to, have to, have to dig out the link or go type in um, succulent Chinese meal into YouTube. It is, it is arguably top five internet memes of all time. It is truly glorious. And then also, you get to lose another fifteen minutes um, researching the backstory. Um, but Matthew, so we've been um, remiss this week. We've barely touched Twitter. So if people wanted to go and find out how little we've been saying the last seven days, where would they go? They would go to at the Cider Shed pod, which is where Kerry is normally um, manning or womanning things. Uh, but she was she spent a, a lot of time traveling down to the Southern Hemisphere this week so she hasn't been doing that i, I jumped on sh- briefly tonight uh, so yeah find us there it's a great laugh and we have lots of good interactions we have an instagram which is the same handle at the cider shed pod we had our we broke 800 it was only two weeks ago we broke 700 now we broke 800 and our 800th follower was strangely enough graham harvey former agricultural storyline advisor of the archers so Archers Royalty. Yeah. And we are always incredibly grateful um, to our lovely patrons um, at patreon.com forward slash the cider shed. Um, the numbers are growing all the time and it makes a huge difference. We, you know, like uh, Kerry's got her well-earned holiday. And when we do take time off, you really do realize just how much of a, a schlep it is every week. It's a, it's a, it's a fun schlep, but a schlep nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, we should be clear at this point that Patreon hasn't paid for Kerry's holiday for That link might sound a bit tenuous. Uh, uh, did it not? Oh, oh, no, I'm I, joking. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, uh, people are generous. They're not that generous. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, Kerry, Kerry is by coincidence on holiday this week. And also it, um, I'm begging for um, Patreon. Um, but yeah. Why have the coffers been empty? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Let me just, just let me just log in. Okay. <laughs> um, I should say we have a new Patreon this week. Uh, Jan Tomlin, uh, thanks very much for coming to Patreon. We really appreciate it. I think there's a possibility Kerry's going to be here next week. Um, we're going to try and um, I think we'll probably do a little test at some point, see how it works out time wise. Uh, there is, of course, the, the um, small matter of whether she can be asked because it is uh, she's probably she might she's having a taste of a week off. She might want to make it two in a row. But anyway, we'll see. Um, and no doubt there'll be some information on Twitter whether she's going to come back next week. If not, it might be more me and Matthew um, veering massively off track and talking about anything and everything apart from the archers. 
Well, let me just stop you right there, Peter. I have it on good authority. She took her microphone with her. So I reckon she she will endeavour to be here next week. Fingers crossed. Technology, time difference, and everything. We can make it work. We'll do our best. Aye, aye. Oh, by the way, congratulations to Matthew. He now has the keys to his house. So he uh, it's now going to be... Um, Endless researching of Japanese saws, sandpaper, and workbenches. Yeah, that's me. For the next two months, that'll be what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. Paying rent for the last time, hopefully in a long time, tomorrow. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Off, into the, off into the money pit. Let's go for it. Well, it feels weird saying goodbye without Kerry for some reason this week, but uh, I guess we have to do it. It does. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, we could always we could always just add her in, but, you know, I could try and fake a Kerry voice. Do you want me to? Go on then. Bye. Actually, that's pretty good. Yeah. See you, Kerry. Bye. Hello.